Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, we are still in sunny Southern California, and we got to go on a little bit of a mission to uh, recover the stuff that you were talking about that your wife got stolen. Yeah. I ne- I, I didn't think we would have a like a true blue follow-up to that story, but yeah. we do. It's fun. It's a fun follow-up. I think I might be one of the few people who have been to every Alhambra there is, both the real Alhambra in Spain and the California Alhambra, just outside of Los Angeles. Yeah. Is it a city? It's a city, right? city that neighborhoods Pasadena? It's a city that the Moors made. (laughs) Yeah. They uh, they made it out of stucco and franchise outlets. Oh yeah, they uh, they love using cheesecake factories as building material. Oh yeah, yeah, it's really a kind of a beautiful and lost architectural tradition. Look, I don't want Alhambra to get a big head about this. I still love the Americana more and the Grove close second. Alhambra pulling up third. Well, Alhambra can have a big head for different reasons because uh, we came across a, uh, I mean, like, what did we do to deserve getting to go do this mission together? So what happened was uh, last time on The Greatest Generation, (laughs) I told the story of uh, a bunch of my wife's belongings being stolen out of a car as she was on a work trip in L.A., and... Not long after, maybe less than a week after, uh, she got the call from a police officer in Alhambra that said, hey, we got your stuff. Come and get it. (laughs) My wife, being unable to come to L.A. and you and I, having planned to be at Max FunCon in L.A., decided to make that one of the tasks we did. So we cruised out. uh, We took the three-and-a-half-hour drive from L.A. to Alhambra (laughs) and were confronted by just a devastatingly attractive detective man like Un- i was i was not prepared for <laughs> this experience at all i'm expecting for this to be like grizzled uh property crime detective guy who is like here's your shit and get out yeah don't hold out much hope for the credence guy like my voice actually cracked talking to this guy. It was too attractive. <laughs> too attractive to be in the job he had. I he was, was, I he was... was too attractive to not be professionally attractive. <laughs> the moment I saw him, I've never been so glad that my wife wasn't doing this task instead of me yeah. because she would have fallen in love with him and then would have gotten rightfully divorced from me. Like Adam, your podcasting partner almost fell in love with him. It would have been the easiest divorce ever because <laughs> I would have agreed with everything she said. Yeah, you can have the house. You Husband, can... not as good as the new guy, not attractive, <laughs> yeah. uh, not as much of a badass, Yeah, does not, not shop as... at Express. Yeah, not as nice, not, yeah. as, not as agreeable. No, better haircut. Yeah. This fucking guy checked every fucking box, man. He gave you back all of the stuff, and then he's like, "Hey, I still need to search the car, so there might be some more of your stuff in there." Do you want to hang out with me longer? <laughs> we're like, yes. Can can I ride along with you? <laughs> 
So we met up with him at the impound lot where the these these guys Look, there's a these guys that do property crime and that's never follow the detective in charge to a second location. <laughs> but we did that. Yeah, the the guys that did the the crime, the perps yeah. as they say, in cot parlance, had been pulled over for something else right. and a bunch of hot product was discovered in their trunk. And uh let me tell you, I wanted to put a lot of hot product in this guy's trunk. Uh. <laughs> My wife's iPad was covered in soy sauce. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't complaining. Yeah. You did get the iPad back. But, right. Um, uh, he goes and searches the car. Doesn't find anything else of yours or your wife's, but he does find a crumpled up piece of paper. In <laughs> it's It was so funny. You and I are waiting outside the wrecking yard for for him, and we're like, we got to drop a Lebowski in here somewhere. How are we going to do it? And I had all but given up. I wasn't going to force the Lebowski issue. Yeah. He pulls this piece of paper out and I was like, is it social studies homework? And he looked at you like, like you had lobsters crawling out of your ears. Like. He did not know that reference. You were, like, he was looking at us with a baseline amount of contempt as an attractive person looks at a couple of normals. Yeah. But any police officer that hasn't seen the Big Lebowski... Come on, man. His stock actually dropped a little bit in my eyes for that. Yeah, like, he went from, I want to change my life to be around this person, to, I want to, like check into a hotel room with this person and then have it be like, when I blow into have town. Have it be over with. Yeah, like, it, it, <laughs> when, when I blow into town, maybe we can relive that passionate night, but I, I don't want to, like, you know, share a, a house and a yeah. in a life with you, per yeah, se. not worth making the sacrifice yeah. for. He didn't say anything about checking with the boys at the crime lab. He didn't say anything about working in shifts. You ask anyone uh, what the most attractive qualities are to any person, they'll tell you uh, ability to crack wise using Big Lebowski references, tops. Top, yeah. Uh, all other all other matters secondary to that. Incredible skin, bright white teeth, winning smile, all of that stuff is secondary. Yeah. Well, anyways, the uh, the piece of paper was like an Expedia reference printout from like a ho- fancy hotel that they stayed at in downtown L.A. So presumably these guys had stolen a car in San Francisco and have just driven down the coast of California stealing shit and committing fraud to finance their little vacation. That might be all we want to say about the subject, Ben, in case they're listening. <laughs> Big fans! Hey, do you guys guys want to make sure we steal a car with an aux input so we can listen to our favorite podcast on the way down? It's so weird. Like, there is a version of life that includes crime holiday as a thing you do. Yeah. You want to go down the coast and just steal some shit? It's what you do. Yeah. (laughs) Insure your stolen vehicle with Geico. (laughs) Save 15%. (laughs) Don't give a freebie to fucking Geico. No, they paid me for that. You know what Geico did to me lately? (laughs) I'm in my backyard doing backyard work. Yeah. My actual backyard. Not not the... uh, (laughs) You weren't trimming your uh, your rim forest. Not the rim forest backyard. (laughs) (laughs) That is a less than two percenter. Yeah. It's a a, zero percenter. And a fucking plane flying a banner ad goes at like 150 feet above my house (laughs) with that stupid lizard, the Geico lizard. God. 
It's inescapable. You can't escape from those ads. Those government employees have uh, gone too far this time. There's no amount that they could pay me to advertise on this show. <laughs> Fuck you, Geico. Wow. Well, I guess we foreclosed on one of the biggest advertising accounts that you could possibly imagine getting. <laughs> someone, someone just behind us in Max Fun is like quietly hanging up a phone, <laughs> ripping up a check. Days and days of of work <laughs> put to bed. Uh, well. Uh, at the end of the day, like most of the good stuff got recovered. Yeah. We met uh, a very handsome detective. Yeah. Really good day. Yeah. If you're going to spend a day in Alhambra. It's probably the right way to do it. Yeah. Pretty good feeling. Do you want to get into the episode, Adam? Let's do that, Ben. Let's turn the page to season six, episode 22. Shishpishin. <laughs> The uh, most Kevin-y title. Even yeah. more than schisms, I think. Yeah. It's just a lot of opportunity for siblings. <laughs> Do you think Kevin ever wore a retainer as a kid? <laughs> if he ever was a kid? He, so, I feel like he did have a bit of a... <laughs> I feel like he did have a bit of a snaggle tooth, which yeah. you wouldn't necessarily... like. I mean, if I was a doubt, I would want to look like the detective in Alhambra, not... Fucking Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe when you're a Dowd, you have the control to change everything around you except yourself. Yeah, maybe. That's heavy shit. I wanted to look age and attractiveness appropriate for my wife, Rashan. And if I looked the way I truly picture myself, it never would have played. Captain Picard would have been suspicious much earlier than he already was. Or you could look like anything. But I chose to look like Shep Gordon. (laughs) (laughs) He's truly one of my heroes. (laughs) When I hear the way he treats his friends, his door is always open. He's a mensch. He's a mensch of special (laughs) conscience. A mensch would never commit genocide on the scale that I have. Guinan bursts in on uh, Dr. Crusher, who is like, Dr. Crusher is like flopping around her apartment like she's just had a fucking day. Like she's doing all that, like, you know, open the cabinet and slam it when she doesn't find the, you know, craft dinner that she was hoping to find in there. She's just frustrated. She's spent. She's wrung the fuck out. And Guinan is in here going, I need a doctor. Jordy beat me in straight sets today. I think I've developed tennis elbow. I really want you to look at it. You're my favorite doctor. I can't have that Ogawa look at this. <laughs> Guinan is, yeah, like she's doing the, uh, I'm very particular about my about my doctor gambit. And uh, that kind of made me think, like, I mean, that must be something that you experience on a starship, right? Like, you're, you've got like The recreation injury? Yeah, you've got like Dr. Salar and Dr. Crusher, right? Are they the only two physicians on board? Is there like a B, like a like a six bay, point two, <laughs> like the uh, six... the, f- the free clinic version of six bay? Yeah, for like the for, for anybody that's like ensign or below. Yeah, like O'Brien is like on a very rare occasion getting his shoulder injury treated in actual six bay. Most yeah. mostly he has to go. <laughs> What's the insurance situation in the Federation? Free and plentiful. Yeah, it seems like it. Well, anyways, Crusher like is 
at pains not to treat Guinan, and she says that the like main reason why is that she is no longer the chief medical officer on the entrepreneur. A cold open to theme that is only slightly less riveting than I'm here to relieve you of duty, Captain Picard. <laughs> Fractionally. E- except we care a thousand times less. <laughs> oh, Adam. Ben, this episode is so bad. <laughs> it's like they proceeded from the premise, what if we could tell a more boring Rashomon story <laughs> from the perspective of your least interesting character? A more boring Rashomon story from only one person's perspective? Yeah. <laughs> And there's no reason to tell the story this way. It is more uh, a more ad- adventurous story structure than anything else. Like, like that is the most unusual part of the episode, right? I think adventure means something different than how you're using it there. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. You just used adventure in the selling cigarette advertisements parlance, you know, like tastes of adventure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. So she starts to. Beverly is like, you may be wondering how I found myself in this situation. (laughs) (laughs) Let me take you back. So yeah, she and uh, she and Guinan kind of hunker down for a long story. So gather round as I run it down. And unravel my pedigree. And the background is that Dr. Crusher went to a subspace theory conference, which is maybe the first crime that this episode commits is like, since when does Dr. Crusher give a fuck about subspace theory? Yeah, makes no sense. That's a Geordie conference, right? Yeah. Or a, a Barkley conference? Maybe Geordie is still... Uh... Still on suspension from the last time he went to a conference. Got <laughs> captured by the Romulans. No conferences for you for a couple of seasons there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Can't trust you. Well, one of the people she met at this conference was a Ferengi science named Dr. Rega, who was having a tough time getting his ideas to gain any traction with the people at the con. Um, because he's a Ferengi. Yeah. Right. She was saying, like, like this is a really interesting, cool theory this guy's working on, but racism has prevented <laughs> his ability to, like, rise to prominence. So she, like, felt that uh, she felt that she could do better. So she held a little conference of her own, a little, a little side con on the entrepreneur, and she invited a bunch of scientists from all over the quadrant to attend. And so she got a Vulcan a human, a Klingon, and a Takaran to come, right? I believe that's correct. The Vulcan lady is the head of the Vulcan Academy, Vulcan Science Academy. Which, um, that's what Sc- Spock like turned down the uh, turned down the invite to at the beginning of that J.J. Abrams movie, right? Yeah. So uh, it's cool because it was all like a panel of dudes before they've uh, they've gotten somewhat cooler in the hundred years since since that. Yeah, uh, they, the, it appears that they may have gotten woke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Uh, they had a, a choice between an orange Vulcan and this lady, and they just had to go with the lady. Yeah, <laughs> she seemed sane. Yeah, <laughs> and then her husband, who is um, a human, and uh, 
Then we've got the... Sort of a Paul Sorvino type. <laughs> yeah. Poor man's Paul Sorvino. Like, uh, like she's typical Vulcan, but her taste in men yeah. skews very hard towards Paul Sorvino. Yeah. She was like, Worf, do you happen to have a human brother? <laughs> <laughs> Can you hook me up with someone who looks a lot like your dad, Worf? <laughs> um, and then uh, the... There's a Klingon lady who is a warp propulsion specialist from the Klingon homeworld. Seems like just any Klingon, right? Like, she's not in Klingon war kit, but she doesn't seem any different from any other Klingon. She's different because she's into science instead (laughs) of stabbing. Yeah. But, like, the Vulcan isn't playing against type, but the Ferengi and the Klingon definitely are. Yeah, um, and then you've got Joe Brill, who has like green loaf and um, green hair, green all green everything. He's got blue racing stripes <laughs> that go to his fingertips, yeah. like his middle two fingertips. Uh, that's the those are the Coke fingers. That's the Takarin. Yeah, and then of course the Ferengi, Doctor Rega, who played by a guy named Peter Slutsker. Mm. Boy, <laughs> what a last name to be. <laughs> To be uh, to be walking around in 2017 with. Fun bit of trivia about Peter Slutsker. I hope you're not about to Slutsker shame him, Adam. Uh, is that in the early 2000s, he changed his name to Peter Marks with an X. Really? Yeah. Probably tired of uh, getting Slutsker shamed. <laughs> huh, Ben? I, just, I think I just made that joke, Adam. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to put... Exactly the same hat on that hat. Yeah, two of the same hat occupying the same space at the same time. You know how, like, uh, you'll go to a toy store and they'll have the plastic fireman's hat stack of hats Uh that are, like, perfectly pressed into the pile? That's what that joke was. Interlocking hats joke. As an editor, Ben, you could just take one or the other. I suppose I could, uh, like, the magnanimous move would be to take my (laughs) Slutsker shaming joke out and leave yours in. Make it seem like we took a long walk to a nice little punchline that you came up with in the moment. Yeah, I know know you possess no such magnanimity. (laughs) Magnanimate, what do they do? (laughs) Yeah, that's how that song goes. (laughs) <laughs> that was like the he, dad jokeification of that <laughs> of that song. <laughs> uh, well. I'm your cool English teacher. <laughs> now let's get back to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Whoop whoop. <laughs> Family. <laughs> so yeah, Mary that- Shelley's a real little blaster type. <laughs> <laughs> The thing that they are working on here is metaphasic shielding, Adam. You've all seen my experimental data. The metaphasic shield has been proven. Forgive my skepticism, Doctor, but your claims are somewhat extravagant. Protect a shuttle within a star's corona. And I was like, Doug, why the corona? Why not the Modelo Especial? Why not the Pacifico? I didn't hear your last two because I took off my headphones. <laughs> Just gonna let you spool that one out, Dad. One out of Tecate. <laughs> what is your favorite easy drinking Mexican beer? I think a Pacifico is probably my my move. Yeah. If I'm gonna drink a uh 
A lot of Mexican beer recipes are actually German beer recipes. Oh, yeah? Yeah, a lot of German immigrants to Mexico founded breweries. And so that's why the kind of like, that like kind of golden flavorless beer is so popular in both places. (laughs) That's why it's so popular with me. Yeah. Give me a little less flavor, guys, (laughs) so I can have eight of them. (laughs) Yeah. Ease up on that flavor. (laughs) Ease up on that flav throttle. When you're not in flavor country, Mm -hmm. that's Modelo Town. (laughs) Now, Now, I think Modelo and Pacifico have something to them. I love in, Modelo Especial. That is yeah. my choice in Mexican beers. Yeah, in a way that your Corona, your Tecate, I find very off-putting because yeah. it's like almost an engineered lack of flavor. <laughs> almost aggressively flavorless. Yeah. I went to a uh, a hip-hop show one time and everybody was drinking Coronas with grenadine squirted into them. So they were just like beer bottles that were bright red, and everybody had like br- red lips and tongues. Really? Yeah. It was really. Uh, Did it look cool under a black light? Was that the the effect? That wasn't the. They weren't doing a black light at this show, so it was like, yeah, like it, it would have been a thing if it was a thing, but it wasn't a thing. Everybody just looked like a kid that was eating too much fucking red candy. You know? Yeah. That's fun to make out with. <laughs> Who knows why anybody does anything at him? Anyways, the uh, <laughs> this metaphasic shielding is going to fly into some sudsy Mexican beer. <laughs> They're like, who wants to volunteer for this mission? <laughs> Something that's never been done before and is extremely dangerous. Jim Shimoda's like, I haven't been on the show for five and a half seasons, but what's up? Data's like, <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. Nobody believes that Dr. Rega has achieved what he claims to achieved, which is this, that he's like actually built this. At this point in the story, is Beverly doing the voices, you think, to Guinan? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I'm a Klingon scientist. <laughs> People on my world don't respect my knowledge. I'm Jabril. I'm green all over. <laughs> it's not easy being green. I'm a very serious Vulcan scientist, <laughs> married to Paul Sorvino. <laughs> I love the way he cuts my garlic. <laughs> yeah, deli thin. They have this like long, like totally insanely long conversation, especially for this being Dr. Crusher's recollection of it. Right? Could you imagine how fucking bored Guinan is right now? Like you could, uh, you could speed it up, Doc. <laughs> yeah, Guinan's like. You know what? On second thought, I'm going to go back and play some more tennis with Jordy. It's less painful than this. I would rather be suffering through an awkward post-tennis conversation with Jordy than listen to you muddle your way through a poorly told story. <laughs> the decision is made, however, that they are going to test the metaphasic shield by jury-rigging it into a bunk bed and letting Joe Brill a an accomplished pilot fly it into the corona of the star that the entrepreneur happens to be near. So he does it, and um, he's, he's... He experiences a certain amount of ecstasy as soon as he penetrates the corona. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, Jesus, I'm in. Am I in? My instruments say I'm in. This is incredible. I am actually flying into a star. Perhaps intended to thematically mimic that, he starts to uh, he starts to lose connection. It starts to look like the porn channel that's been scrambled. Yeah, 
on the on the FaceTime there. And uh they're watching along at home on the uh Entrepreneur's Bridge too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the Ferengi's like, I, I got a guy that can uh, trick your cable box into getting you this channel. <laughs> Riker's like, use your mind. <laughs> Stay in this man. <laughs> yeah. Don't slip away. This is the best part. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting a lot of telemetry from the shuttle, and everything's looking great until it's not. And uh, Joe Brill, like, starts to starts to really like be overwhelmed by his ecstasy, and <laughs> Captain Picard has to uh, do for Joe Brill what he did for Jake, which is talk him through getting out of this tight situation. Yeah, it is imperative that you turn the shuttle, take it out of the Corona. You understand me? And so he uh, he gets him to pull up, you know, fly the craft away from the star, and when it's out of the like radiation belt of the star or whatever, they uh, manage to beam him directly to Six Bay, where he uh, is, you know, conscious for moments uh, as Doctor Crusher frantically tries to save him, um, but then he uh, shuffles loose this mortal coil. My, my love is a Do you think we are seeing what actually happened, or are we seeing Beverly's <laughs> recollection of what happened? Oh, that's interesting. Because I'm wondering if, like, are you seeing her extreme measures to save Jabril's <laughs> life? Like, did they actually happen? Yeah, did, like, she was like, should we intubate him? Nah. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty I'm beat, you guys. Yeah. I think I'm going to turn in. <laughs> oh, Gal, you got this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, but she does feel seem like she feels really guilty about this because she was kind of like she was kind of like advocating for this test. Some of the other scientists were like not so sure about it. Um, they did it and uh, it didn't pay off. So like they they have a meetup the next day and like the Vulcan and the human are like pretty freaked out. Like the Vulcan is not being that Vulcany. I feel like she had some like jealous feelings and like. There was a lot of ego on the line for her with this with this thing. Like the the doctor forbids any f- further testing based on based on this accident. You know, like they managed to save the save the guy for a moment, but mm-hmm. he winds up dying because he presumably got dosed with radiation while he was uh, being protected by this metaphysic shielding. What didn't help is he has a totally different anatomy than anything Beverly's ever seen. He's got like, he's got like cow stomachs and like everything's <laughs> all connected in a weird way. So she's doing like her autopsy on him. And, uh, I think it's like the captain that comes down and she's like, he doesn't seem to have any discrete organs. And she like demonstrates this by pointing to presumably an internal scan of him that's on the wall that shows a whole bunch of discrete <laughs> organs. <laughs> But like, yeah, she says basically like he's he would be impossible to kill because there's no like there's no one part of him that is like critical. It's all like spread out all over the, his entire body. That's maybe the most imp- the most interesting part of the episode. This is about the moment where I was like, are they going to fucking do this form of storytelling the entire time? Because what you get is a Beverly voiceover that goes 
The alien's anatomy was very strange because he had no discrete organs. And then you see Beverly gesture to her <laughs> to the computer, telling Picard, "The alien's anatomy is extremely different from yours or mine because it has no discrete organs." It was a real idiocracy situation where, yeah. like, the movie it would be ten times smarter if it didn't have the voiceover. It's like, look, guys, I have fifteen pages of a script. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, is there a way to sort of double the dialogue <laughs> to get us to our 47 minutes? Because we start shooting tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It felt so weak and derivative, like self-derivative in yeah. a weird way. Yeah. I mean, because the other thing that keeps happening is it just like it kind of keeps like redoing the test over and over again. Yeah. It's a story so nice they had to tell it twice, right? Yeah. Also, does an autopsy seem like a crazy... Because an autopsy is where you cut somebody mm-hmm. open to see what happened inside of them. But Doctors they can... call it taking someone to the Y. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know that to be true. Uh, if you're a doctor out there, please get that going. <laughs> if, you, if you're a doctor out there and you've recently performed a uh, an autopsy, I want you to dial in to 206-984-4-FUN. <laughs> Tell us all about that. Would love to hear whether we're right or wrong did about you... that whole uh, taking them to the Y bit. Yeah. Did you put some Vicks VapoRub under your nose? Yeah. Did you fill up a rag with uh, Old Spice cologne? <laughs> <laughs> Did you comment that when you pull them out of the water, there can be, like, all kinds of twigs and leaves and things? <laughs> the autopsy just seems like not something you need in the future. They can scan all all up in things, right? And this is now multiple times in season six where there's been some autopsy drama. I am the cute as a ball. You will assist us. I am the cute as a ball. They find the Slutsker dead. and uh, <laughs> they, they found a dead Slutsker in the trunk of the Previa. I feel like such a hack. This is why you changed his name. <laughs> Marx is a big step up from Slutsker. Yeah. But, yeah, he's dead. There was like a plasma burst, and she really wants to do it. She was like, ooh, let me get up in them guts, too. <laughs> and Picard is like, no, the Ferengis have a special death ritual. You can't get up in them guts. It's probably really embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, the outside of them is bad enough, but um, the sarcophagus looks like a giant Q-tip. <laughs> you know, for the ears. <laughs> yeah, I, I got what you were doing. We've achieved peak dad. <laughs> it's very rare air here. Welcome to the greatest dadoration, a dad podcast. By a couple of guys who aren't even dads. Yeah. And yet. We're clearly around too many dads. Yeah. Is that what it was? Like, we just spent a weekend at Max FunCon, and there were, like, like a lot of our elders and mentors were there. Yeah, it didn't feel nearly as quippy. It might have been the altitude, but it might have just been, like, dad osmosis. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's less quip, more, more devastatingly bad pun. Less quip, more khaki. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> That's the dial. <laughs> From quip to khaki. Yeah. I feel like the judge of Somebody's a gonna reality have... TV fashion show would use that as their uh, as their catchphrase. Yeah. I feel like uh I feel like somebody's gonna have to do an autopsy on this episode. <laughs> yeah. It's extremely bad. <laughs> but the thing that gives me comfort is knowing that 
this episode of the pod is not nearly as bad as the episode of the show. The doctor is up against this kind of impenetrable uh, edict from Picard, which is you're not going to do an autopsy on on no Ferengi today. And so um, she, like, overrides it. She, like, goes ahead and does it, right? She breaks the law, right? Yeah. Like, she goes ahead and does it she and f- then tells Picard she does it, and Picard is like, holy shit. <laughs> like, you have really put me in a pickle here. Yeah, what does she say? She says, like, Jean-Luc, I want to tell you something that you need to know, but you're not going to like it. Is that how you intro what you just did? <laughs> she she tells it to Picard, like, um, I lied on my on my application to Starfleet when it asked if I'd ever smoked pot before. I know the conference room has a strict no beverage without a lid policy, <laughs> but I spilled. I'm I'm really sorry. Yeah. Like she does not go into this conversation with the appropriate amount. Of... I'm I'm casting you as a bit part in my next play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she lays this like pretty heavy shit on Picard and he's like, "Well, like there's not really much I can do about this other than you're fired and there's going to be a board of inquiry. You're going to be on the ship until like 0700 tomorrow when we can drop you off at a star base so that the like Starfleet Medical Admiralty can punish you in the way that is appropriate for uh, what you did because we have a law to fit your crime. <laughs> I mean, this would be like a diplomatic incident, right? Like mutilating the body of the premier scientist of another species. On paper, the stakes are high. Did you care at any moment? <laughs> um, I I liked the I liked the secret autopsy scene. I mean, like, there's some cool stuff in this episode. I liked that they had a morgue set. Yeah, that, that was, was fun. That was like, there was sort of a Murphy bed, yeah. uh, morgue situation. <laughs> morgue Murphy bed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was good. And the the other, like, disappointing thing is that this autopsy turns up nothing. Like, there's, right. there's no... He's uh, still dead. Yeah, like, they're looking for... They're looking for something that they don't find. And, and so, like, the doctor, you know, we cut back to Guinan sitting with doctor. And Guinan is like, so... Uh, you don't have anything left to lose, right? So go rogue. Like, do the fucking rest of the investigation as a an independent contractor. Which is terrible advice. It's bad advice, and she chooses to involve Ogawa. Like, in possibly a career-threatening choice, Ogawa chooses to aid and abet a known medical felon. Yeah, because it's not like I'm going to keep doing what I was doing, and if you happen to see what's going on on the screen over yeah. my shoulder, it's like, you'll need this file and this file. You know, like, she's, like, running printouts. She just got the back zip. Why would she sacrifice her career for this? <laughs> and not only that, like, do you think Ogawa's in line for the promotion if Beverly gets canned? No. I think so. Ogawa's a nurse. Really? Yeah. That's not how it works? I don't think so. I, I, I think I field think... promotions happen on this ship, and I think she'd get promoted. <laughs> I don't think nurse gets promoted to doctor, though. <laughs> what about Dr. Salar or whatever? Like, this is a doctor that we hear mentioned all the time. Yeah. Maybe they keep that uh, that Klingon scientist around. Oh, yeah. She'd make a fun doctor. She, she seems sharp. Yeah. 
Pretty pretty good bedside manner. Yeah. Let her die. Uh, yeah, the doctor goes and interrogates this Klingon, and and she's like, "Did you rub out that Ferengi?" This Klingon uh, reacts very poorly to this line of questioning, and uh, part of what that revealed, in, as she got more and more impassioned and opened her mouth wider and wider, was that she did not have fucked up teeth. Oh no, I didn't notice that. She had human teeth. Hmm. Is she like a? Uh, Worf's wife's sister or something? Oh, yeah. Maybe she's only half Klingon. Yeah. Could see that. Yeah. You know how attractive uh, not full Klingons are to Worf. Yeah. Yeah, he better watch himself around this lady. He could fall in love with her in like a minute. (laughs) You know how he does. Yeah. He calls too soon. Hmm. So Beverly sort of sees that she has nothing to lose, and her main motivation of her career, Ben, is to prove the science that this Ferengi she barely knows (laughs) in a field of science that she's barely related to in her career. And we've never heard her say word one about. She's willing to sacrifice everything to prove the theory. Maybe she's taken like a motherly interest in field theory. Like <laughs> like Wesley is the Mozart of it and like if if your kid is like you know, really good at ice hockey or something, you follow the league and stay abreast of it. It's like my mom often knows what the weather is doing in New York better than I do because she's like interested in thinking about where I live and what's going on there. Yeah. So, so maybe that's maybe that's the head cannon. I just solved this episode, Adam. If you need that much cannon to get through this, God. Hey, man, I'm spread out after this weekend. I need a lot of cannon. Mm. <laughs> she jakes a shuttle. I think Dr. Rega's shield does work. She flies into the pitcher that's next to the guacamole and the chips. I've never seen you look more disgusted. So refreshing. <laughs> and she's like in the corona. She turns on the shield. Everything's going great. Like they do the hilarious bit on the bridge where they're like, well, there's nothing we can do about the fact that she has taken this shuttle. Yeah, they check all the boxes. We can't uh, do. <laughs> too far away box, too close to the sun for beaming. Can't take the ship any closer because we're too far away. Like that, yeah, that deal. Yeah, like the, the like. The one thing they could do is destroy the shuttle <laughs> w- using uh, Worf's hair trigger finger yeah. on the photons. The doctor made her bed, you know? Yeah. Like, she's probably out of Starfleet. Do we really need to save her life? We're already wasting a bunk bed shuttle. Do we want to waste a torpedo on this one? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, fair enough. So there's the there's the cannon for that. Yeah. She gets into the corona and she's like, this is going amazing. Like, this, this fucking metaphasic shield just works. Like, I don't even know what happened last time. It's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> and... And they're like, well, that's really incredible, Doctor, but you have a trial, so why don't you turn that little prev around and come right back? And she's like, all right, well, I'm about to do... And then the, the radio cuts. And uh, from under a, an old-timey roll-top desk comes Joe Brill. This is sort of classic roll-top desk made with quarter-sign white oak with plenty of draw storage and nice panels on the side. Crush it, Enterprise. I've lost you. The green man that we... Remember from dying the first time they ran this experiment. Enterprise, do you hear me? Come in. They cannot hear you. What they don't show you is 
how Jobril got the fuck out of his Murphy morgue <laughs> and got into that roll top. Yeah. He's supposed to be dead. Yeah, and she's like, you're supposed to be dead. <laughs> she's like, how'd you get from the morgue into this roll top? And he's like, you did an autopsy on me. You you, you got up in them guts. You, you saw how I work. You know what we just did, Ben? We did the episode yeah. because we described it and then we described it again. Yeah, that was the joke. Yeah. Thank you for putting another hat on that stack of hats, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting lightheaded. <laughs> It's like that children's book with the monkeys and the hats. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the hats the... for sale. Is that what it is? I think it's what it's called. Caps for sale. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got corrected from outside the box. <laughs> Usually we have to wait until the next day on Twitter or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get our 20 email corrections. That was uh, Max Funzone Nick Liao. <laughs> very kindly operating the board for us here today. We have wasted hours of his time today that uh, he could have been doing much more productive stuff, I, I'm sure. Anything would be better than this for him. I'm positive. <laughs> um, the green man, Joe Brill, starts kind of monologuing, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, the Ferengi wanted this to be a metaphasic shield, but I have killed him so that I can steal his technology. Uh, and uh, Or no, uh, he didn't kill him, right? Who killed him? Joe Brill killed him. Yeah, Joe Brill. Uh, Joe Brill sabotaged the thing. Yeah, and uh, it's gonna let him like go develop this this metaphasic shield into a weapon, and uh, that is all bad because everybody knows that the Takarans are nothing but trouble. <laughs> you get to see a dead Ferengi this episode. Yeah, and he goes all like he gets all like. It's real ashy, huh? <laughs> yeah. It looks like it looks like they rolled him in like ranch dressing before they, before they put him in the Murphy bed. He's a real ashy ringy. <laughs> oh god, Adam. <laughs> the uh the hate mail that we get on this one, we will deserve. <laughs> he's so gross. Yeah, he looks gross when he's dead. Um he he's explained his evil plan and uh Roundhouse Beverly is having none of it. So she throws the controls into a twirl, and he flies against the bulkhead. She does some, like, really serious foot-to-the-face kicking here. She does some real solid deep background martial arts to the foreground antagonist, which is what you want to do with someone who's not seasoned as a martial artist. Yeah, get six feet of separation between kicker and kicky. There will be no accidents on this set. (laughs) And he goes down, and she manages to get the Death Buster away from him. And um, she puts it on Death Becomes Her mode. Yeah. Because <laughs> she, she... She set phasers for Midler. I have a hole in my stomach! Was it Goldie Hawn, Bette Midler, Was and... Bruce Willis in that movie? Yeah, as the squirrely little butler guy, right? Was he the one that held the candelabra through her on the, on yeah. the poster? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, Joe Brill, Joe Brill goes full bet, and uh, the doctor is not satisfied with that, so she dials it up to gore and uh, vaporizes him. Yeah. And um, she flies the Prev out of the sun, and um, she's like, hey, guys, I have great news. I'm not, I'm not the baddie that you thought I was. It was Joe Brill the entire time. And... Uh, what Captain Picard probably should have said is, 
Well, yes, Beverly, but be that as it may, <laughs> you did do an autopsy on somebody whose express wishes of their family was not to do an autopsy. And that's not really like nothing, nothing that's happened here in the last 15 minutes has really done anything to undo that. Proving your innocence for a crime at the top of the stream does not forgive the concurrent crimes. The list of <laughs> crimes that you committed to get to the innocence. Yeah. <laughs> if only that were the case, that would be amazing. Yeah. Free crime. <laughs> yeah. I robbed a bank because I needed to pay off a, a debt that I was being framed for or something. <laughs> She's getting deferential treatment from Picard, and I don't think it's right. She gets reinstated. She yeah. heads down to 10 Forward and pays Guinan a visit, and uh, she's got a little gift for Guinan. It's a space racket. <laughs> and uh, and Guinan's like, oh, I don't play that fucking <laughs> I don't play that shit. Yeah. Homie, don't play that. You think I want to play a game with Jordy? <laughs> I've got I already play a game with Jordy. It's called Stay Away from Jordy. <laughs> <laughs> that was my one Norm Macdonald Star Trek joke. <laughs> that was a great uh that was a great Norm Macdonald joke. <laughs> the setup and the punchline are the same. Yep. <laughs> Does that make up for my terrible joking throughout this episode? I hope it makes up for some of mine. In the same way that Beverly Crime at the end forgives earlier Beverly Crime. <laughs> And that's the episode. Did you like it, Adam? This may be recency bias. Mm -hmm. This is my least favorite episode I've ever seen. What? I fucking hated this episode. I what a waste. What a waste. I watched this next to you on a chaise longue. I was stewing. <laughs> no one stews on a chaise lounge outside poolside yeah. in, in sunny Los Angeles, California. We literally fired, fired this up on the laptop and watched it poolside, and that wasn't enough to make Adam like it. It was the most telling and least showing episode of the series. You were just looking back and forth between the screen and the water, screen and the water, screen and the water. Bad Star Trek's on the screen, <laughs> shark's in the water. Our shark. <laughs> And when the laptop goes black, he's got you. <laughs> you see your reflection in that like black mirror. Like a dull screen. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, really I bad. You just really undid your yeah. all of your good I, joke will. I'm back in joke jail. Yeah. <laughs> really bad episode, Ben. It's on the mountain for me, and it may be the... The oh, it's on number it, one position it, on the mountain. It's in your George Washington on Mount Armis position. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would not put it on my Mount Armis. I think it's not a great ep, but while the exposition is exposition. Yeah, it's well, here's the thing, is it takes a big swing. And it and the thing that I admire about the ep is that they were like, well, let's think about what scientists from cultures that seem antithetical to science might look like. Um, you know, like, I don't think that they did, that they achieved much, but it's like they are asking the same questions that I'm asking as a viewer. And, like, while they kind of whiffed this, like, it's a, it gives me some confidence in the, in the like, motives of the, of the writing staff. So 
while I think it's a failed episode, I don't I don't like hate its guts. Uh, one thing that may have informed my cynicism about the ep was that this is Guinan's last appearance on this show. Really? And it made me think that they were going to tell the story linearly because they could have. And the only reason they didn't was to include Guinan in the story. She always gets kind of written in at the last minute, right? Yeah. And I think that does her character and Whoopi a, a huge disservice, I think. Was that Whoopi? It was. That you said? Yes, Will Wheaton. Why are you saying it like that? Well, I'm just saying you should be nicer to Will Wheaton. Yeah. What a way to go out. Yeah. Made me sad. One of the greats. Yeah. RSVP Whoopi. <laughs> Do we have any priority ones, Sivu Play? I think we do. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first priority one message here is a personal message, and it is from your fellow NPR nerd, and it is for... Let's just say my wife's tattoo artist. <laughs> and it goes like this. You spoke of this show during my wife's George the Goat tattoo. To thank you for the hours of laughter, I'd like to reward you with some Picasby. I know, however, it hurts Ben's voice. So instead, please replay the intro from the show where Ben almost died impersonating Picasby. I laughed so hard, I almost wrecked my truck. May it do the tattoo equivalent to you. Wow. Well, I don't remember which episode that was in particular. And, um, you know, like, it's it's got to be a kind of a special occasion to dig up a drop. So why don't we just do some Picosby? What do you say? We haven't done Picosby in a little while. Maybe my voice has recovered somewhat. When you're driving down the road, giving tattoos, <laughs> you got to make sure that nothing get into the drink that you had before you get behind the wheel. You don't want to operate heavy machinery when you're psychologically compromised. You'll see. Rudy. <laughs> it's been a long time, Theo. I missed you. I'm your father. I did that very little bit of Picosby, and it feels like someone slashed across my throat. <laughs> that is not a comfortable impression. We are going to on a, a number of levels. We're going to a little tweet up later today, and I uh, I will probably be having a tough time talking to our our viewers IRL because of this. So they have certain expectations. W slash R slash T. You and Picosby. <laughs> Did I understand that correctly? People are getting tattooed while listening to our program? Or they're just telling their tattoo artist about the program? I think that the tattoo artist told the person getting the tattoo. Oh. And then she told her husband, and he likes the show so much that he got a P1. Whoa. <laughs> ben, our second priority one message is also of a personal nature. It is from Chris. It is for Sonia goes like this. Hey, babe. Happy ninth anniversary. Although Star Trek was not one of our three Bs, I am sure we had to have mentioned it at least once on that fateful night in Vegas. Hopefully we don't finish our slow trek through Deep Space Nine before Adam and Ben move on to that series. Can't wait to hear what they say about that intro. Love you. 
<laughs> I wonder how accurate your impression of this person you've never yeah. met is. <laughs> I just I just did a lovey-dovey Chris impression. Yeah, it, Chris is probably way cooler than that. You kind of had the voice of the uh, of the guy that Pete Holmes's wife is cheating on him with. Yeah, in, I love uh, that guy. Crashing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy so much. Yeah, like guy who you want to hate but winds up being like such a chill dude that Yeah, he just really cares about your well-being or whatever. <laughs> oh. Can that guy be in the new Star Trek show? Yes, that please. Would be good. Please cast him. Please cast him and stuff. Just an overly emotional chill hang. <laughs> yeah, that's what the future needs. Put some loaf on that fucker. Let's get this on. <laughs> If you have a message you want to put some loaf on, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Personal messages are $100 and commercial messages are $200 and they are a great, if not the greatest way to help the ongoing production of our program. Indeed, Adam. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing.
We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Adam was going to ask Ben if he had a drunk Shimoda. (laughs) Hey, Ben, do you have a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Ben thought about it, saying, yes, he has a drunk Shimoda. Then he decided to go ahead and say, yes, I have a drunk Shimoda. Yes, Adam, I have a drunk Shimoda. And it's uh, Dr. Crusher. She comes in and gives Guinan this racket, and it's like, Doc, like, we know the game Guinan plays. (laughs) She comes and finds you when you need her. Yeah. You needed her. She just came in with a fucking pretext that... That she doesn't actually, like, how can you play tennis when you're busy fighting swords with Captain Picard? Beverly comes home from work super pissed and aggravated, puts in one of those, like, personal size Red Baron pizzas (laughs) into the microwave. (laughs) The Baron appears. Yeah. Yeah. Man, obscure pizza commercial <laughs> joke premise is one of our most underappreciated <laughs> joke premises, Adam. <laughs> really giving the people what they don't want or understand. <laughs> I like the DiGiorno because the crust rises in the oven. It's a bit of a party trick, but it really makes me feel like the pizza's worth a little bit more. <laughs> Sometimes I don't like to go out or have an interaction with anyone outside of my home. <laughs> When the agoraphobia is particularly acute, it's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Ben, I'm giving my Shimoda to Joe Brill for a moment of acting excellence. (laughs) So they're both in the shuttle at the end. He's popped out of the desk like a green (laughs) jack-in-the-box. Beverly has sort of like grabbed the steering wheel rollerball thing and has like rung the steering wheel around three times to throw it off balance. Joe Brill does the thing that you see in some early 90s rap videos, like the people doing the like elbows and hands move. (laughs) Yeah. He sort of like goes like elbows and hands up. Yeah. And then flies into the wall. (laughs) It is... Very bad physical acting. <laughs> it is perfect for a Shimoda nomination. Joe Brill yeah. gets my Shimoda. Because they definitely don't have that previous set up on like a up on like an actuator where they can make it flop around, you know. Like That's the thing. It's a camera move and just like throw your body. Yeah. So Yeah, it's like that there's that video or that gif that that shows like a banger getting dropped on the Enterprise and it's steadied, like the yeah. camera doesn't move and it's people just sort of like grabbing their seat and rocking. <laughs> yeah. This was that maneuver, except it, he was standing up. That. I would love to, I mean, like either of us could do this is yeah. like isolate that clip and stabilize the camera. Yeah. It'd be pretty fun to watch Joe Brill take a dive. Yeah. Someone, someone stabilized Joe Brill. Yeah. Shimoda dive on Joe Brill. What do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? Oh, I. Please. 
Please tell me it's better than this one. The next episode of Star Trek is Season 6, Episode 23, Rightful Heir. Worf finds his faith sorely tested when it appears that the greatest Klingon warrior of all time has returned from the dead to reclaim the Empire. Do you remember this episode, Adam? This is is Kalis Lives, right? Yeah. I do remember this episode. This is fun. Yeah. It's the uh it's the it's the episode where Unfrozen Caveman Kalis. <laughs> I was gonna say it's the episode where uh, Keith David and Roddy Piper <laughs> fight next to a dumpster <laughs> for way too long. <laughs> Kalis lives. <laughs> oh man, just thinking about that scene gives me so much joy. <laughs> So glad I could do that for you, Adam. Thanks. Uh, well, we don't have any vetoes, so we will be watching that. And uh, that will be what we review next time here on The Greatest Generation. Mm. People who, for some reason, like what we've done here can support <laughs> the ongoing production of our show by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Uh, other forms of support include uh, buying a shirt or some glassware, or seeing us out on tour. Yeah, come out, see our tour. Um, As of this recording, there's still some ticks available, so uh, hopefully hopefully you can jump on that. Um, If uh, if you've got any questions or concerns, you can email them to drunkshimoda at gmail.com. If you've got any praise to heap on us, you can go to iTunes and leave a nice review. Help people find the show. We've got the Greatest Gen hashtag on Twitter, Greatest Gen Facebook group, Greatest Gen Wikia, Greatest Gen Reddit, all kinds of Greatest Gen stuff. Greatest Gen phone number. <laughs> greatest Gen the the lunchbox. Yeah. Greatest Gen the flamethrower. <laughs> greatest Gen the fireman's hat. <laughs> uh, that should, we should put that up on the Max Fun Store. That would be good. Yeah. Uh, we should thank Adam Orgusia, who has made tons and tons of custom music for our program over the year and a bit that we've been doing it. We should thank Dark Materia for our theme song. Got to thank Nick Liao for running the boards on this bad boy. Yeah, uh, much and, appreciated. And the, the kind folks at MaximumFun.org who have opened their homes to a couple of dinglings like us coming in here, farting up the booth, recording a couple of Star Trek shows on very short notes. So thanks. I, I feel like we're finally one of them now. It's like uh, <laughs> performing in a theater and signing the backstage area yeah. with like uh, your part like now that I've farted in the studio yeah. feels feels like feels right. Feels one like I'm really of one us. of them now. One of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek the Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that looks down somberly at Worf's face, then raises its head to the heavens ah! to warn it that a warrior's faith is coming. Yo
if only I had done a Norm Macdonald joke, I would be a, all would be forgiven. I would be innocent as well. <laughs> I'll visit you in joke prison, Ben. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.